This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we've been here on our series on favor with Ruth. Uh, again, I, just some of the scriptures that jump back to me as you're turning to James 1. Uh, Psalms 5.12 says he blesses righteous and his favor surrounds you like a shield. And just incredible statement. But this, this is going to be the last night on this. And some of you are going to say, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> James 1, and then we'll go to the book of Ruth chapter 4. So as we're heading into James 1, in, in 1 Samuel 15, the prophet Samuel said this. He said, to obey is better than sacrifice. And so he was talking about just to flat out act and do what God tells us to do over sacrifice. So I see the phrase, to obey is better than sacrifice, and I begin to dig a little bit. In the area of sacrifice that he's talking about, it's like God is not into religion. He's not into rituals. He's just into me just flat out obeying and doing the word of God because religion in God's eyes, it's no value. Religion says it's a performance. I got to be seen. I was interested not long ago. I was around a guy and he said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And he said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I'm not much into religion. And I said, me neither. <laughs> and when I said me neither, he kind of looked at me. And I was hoping he would pick on him and ask me another question. But he didn't, so I kind of let it go. So again, God's in just to flat out obey. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word. Be, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, just let that soak in a little bit. Be doers of the word. Act on, on what you hear. And he ends with this and he says that you'll only deceive yourself or you'll fool yourself. Now, I started looking at it and, and the Passion Translation says it this way. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. And so this is, this is the heart even of, of Father God, but I, I begin to see this in the book of Ruth. Go back with me to the book of Ruth, chapter 4. Actually, that's right before 1 Samuel. And it was one of the keys to Ruth's life. Now, remember this woman named Ruth. She came from a land called Moab. If you were to look on the, the map right now, Moab is modern-day Jordan, so it would be on the uh, east side of the Jordan River, not far from the Dead Sea. That's Moab. And when she comes out of Moab and comes into uh, 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 Jerusalem, the area of the Israelites, she had to learn the things of God. And what I begin to see, this woman would obey what she heard. Over and over, her mother-in-law would tell her, you got to do this, you got to do this. And then Boaz would tell her this and this. And she would always obey what they said. Uh, Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Now, Boaz, now again, Boaz is a, 
redeemer or he's like a Jesus is what this is showing. This, this book here to me is more and more a, a love relationship. This, this book models a marriage that we're to have with Jesus is what this is about. And so again, this Boaz is a redeemer. He goes on to say, he went up to the gate and he sat down there and behold, a close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come inside, my friend, sit down here. So he came aside and he sat down. Now there's stuff in here you got to get off of verse 1. In, in the very first start, he talks about this gate. And when you see the word gate here, in their custom, this is where legal matters and issues of civil counsel took place. The, the gate would be the, the traffic area or the center of activity within their community. And usually the only way in and out of their city was through that gate. And so I begin to think about this when you see the gate, the significance of that. In Psalms 100, it says this. You'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in the courts with praise. The gates were a, a symbol of authority. Here's another one that may help you too. Uh, Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19, the Lord Jesus said this. He said, and I'll build my church, and the gates or the authority of hell won't prevail against it. So when you see that word gate, it's literally talking about authority. So Boaz is going to the place of authority. Verse 2, and he took 10 men of the elders of the city, and he said, sit down here. So they sat down. Now, these ten here, they were endowed with the authority of the city to confirm legal transactions. This is what's going on. They were going to do things legally. Man, God does things just and in order. This is what this is talking about. Verse 3. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother, her husband, Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying... Buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I'll redeem it. So we talk about the word redeem. The word redeem means to repurchase or a ransom that's been paid. And, and when I look at what he's talking this is exactly what Jesus did. In the sight of all the people, the witnesses, he redeemed us. So what's going on is in their culture is when you would move back, someone had to repurchase your land for you. So there was a relative in this, in this lady named Naomi's head and in her life who had first choice. So Boaz said to him, redeem it because if you don't redeem it, I'm going to do it. And so the man says, okay, I'll do it. Verse 5. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the land of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabitess. It highlights that again. How many times in this four chapters will you find Ruth, the Moabitess? It doesn't ever want us to forget her past, what she came from. You know what I believe that is? And I'm not proud of my past, but man, I'm very grateful what I've seen God do. I, I don't want to ever forget just the song. I'll never know how much it cost. 
Man, there was a huge prize for this. So he highlights here, you'll also have to redeem the Ruth the Mobitus, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. So you know what he just said? Not only are you going to have to repurchase the land for, for Naomi's sake, you're going to also have to do it for Ruth's sake. Verse 6, and, and really it should have in here. And P.S., let me tell you something else. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself because I cannot redeem it. So literally what's going on here is their custom was this. Not only are you going to buy the land back, you're going to marry Ruth. And he said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to ruin my life. I don't want to ruin my family's inheritance. And he knew this, that if Ruth was to ever have a son, that son would be part of the inheritance. So he's like, I'm not doing that. And I began to look at something else that I caught just a little cross-reference on this. And it said this, that this is also conceivable a possibility that this man's response reflected a racial prejudice that he knew Ruth was a Mobite. Wow. I don't want nothing to do with a Mobite. I don't want it to wreck. And thank God that Jesus wasn't that way. Now just stay right there because I'm going to read this to you. This is Revelations chapter 5. Verse 9, then they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Now this is what the Lord Jesus did for us. We've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And he goes on to say, out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. So when I look at what the Lord Jesus did, the Lord Jesus didn't say, I only did it for the Jew. Man, I did it for every nation, every tribe, every tongue. You know what that means? That's every one of us in here. Man, he purchased us. So now we begin to get a glimpse of what's going on. Verse 7. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything... One man took off a sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. So the surrender of the sandal right here, it is symbolized that it was the surrender of all our rights. And so in this case, it was not only the property, but Boaz said, I'm going to take Ruth. I'm going to redeem her too. And so as I looked at this right here, you know what the thought came across me was this. When Jesus gets in your shoes, everything changes. And so this, this guy says, I'll redeem her even though she's a mobile. Her past doesn't move me. I'll marry her is exactly what he says. So when you look at this, this shadows that Jesus is the groom and we're the bridegroom. 
And what I begin to notice right here in this passage, Jesus isn't into dating. He's into being married. Remember the other guy said, uh-uh, I, I, I don't want to be inconvenienced. But Boaz said, I'll marry you. And so what happens when, when we just want to date Jesus? When you date, you do it on your schedule. Uh, if I feel, I feel up to it, I'll come around. And you know what? When the evening's over and I get tired of you, I'm going to take you home and drop you off. But when you get married to Jesus, that's all the time. It never ends. It's 24-7. And so this is what I begin to see here, that when we get married, we get into Jesus' shoes. And when you get into Jesus' shoes, you have the authority to use his name. You don't get the name until you're married. But when you get married, whoo, you become Mr. and Mrs. Jesus. I want you to think about this just for a little bit. When I got married, Shelly took my last name. Now, when you get married as young as we do, or we did, we didn't have a lot. But I, everything I had now became hers. Why? Because of a covenant relationship. So this is exactly what this is saying. Boaz is saying, everything that's mine, it's hers. Even though she was from Moab. So again, I, I, I can't take on a victim mentality. I can't think, well, uh, life's just not fair. I, I, I was born over here. I had this. And not when you get married to Jesus. Everything the Bible says I can have, I can have. And everything the Bible tells me I can do, I can do. And everything the Bible tells me I can be, I can be because of Jesus. Now, when it talks about taking off this sandal, there's two passages that it took us to. I'm going to go to the first one. Turn, keep your finger right there in Ruth 4. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. So when I get married to Jesus, it's not who you are. It's whose. W-H-O-S-E. It's whose you are. I'm a child of God because of Jesus. He qualified me. Exodus 3, verse 5. And this is the Lord talking to Moses. And the Lord said to him, Then he said, Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. So removing one sandal in this place is talking about a, a view of respect. It's a view of honor. It's a view of awe. And he says, why? Why did he tell him to remove it? Because he said the place where you stand is holy ground. So when you see the ground that is holy, it's because of God. Now, it's interesting right here that this takes me to the book of Joshua. Turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 5. Joshua 5. And these all just, they cross-reference back and forth through the Bible. Joshua chapter 5. And so it's an act of reverence. Man, God doesn't want us approaching him in a casual manner. Exodus chapter 3, not Exodus, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. 
And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, No. What does that mean? And he said, No. Actually, some of the modern translation says, Neither one. Now, why would he say neither one? Well, look what he goes on to say here. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. So when he says this right here, Joshua would thought it was a man. It wasn't a man. It was an angel. You know, in Hebrews it says, don't be afraid to entertain strangers because many of you entertained angels and you weren't even aware of it. Wow, I wonder how many times that's happened. I can tell you stories off of that. That I've gotten in my vehicle and I looked at Shelly and I said, that, that, was, that was a crazy deal. That was an angel. That was an angel. I know it was. Let me, let me share this one. And some of you will say, wow, God would visit you at crazy times. I'm in Rio Dosa, New Mexico. This is probably 10, 12 years ago. I'm getting ready to play one of the nicer golf courses there. And I, I come walking down these stairs. You come down these stairs and you come, come down this area where you pay. And so I come walking down these stairs. And most of you know I was born in Oklahoma. I've never been to heaven, but I've been to Oklahoma. And so thank you for that excitement. But I had an OU shirt on and this guy comes out of nowhere. And he, he starts making conversation to me about Oklahoma. And then just after about five minutes of talking to him, he goes, you know, I've been waiting for you. And I said, you've been waiting for me? And he said, yeah. He said, I'm supposed to pay for your golf today. And I looked at him, I said, you're supposed to pay for my golf? And he said, yeah. And he said, everybody that's with you, who all's with you? And I said, well, that one, that one, there was four of us. And he said, I'm supposed to pay for every one of you. So I turned back around and my brother's coming down the stairs and I was getting ready to say, I don't know what's going on here, but this guy's just blessed us. And when I turned back around, he was gone. And so I go in the clubhouse, I'm thinking, this guy's setting me up. I'm gonna go out there, nobody's paid for me. So I go walking in and the guy said, yeah, you're this group of four, da, 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 da. And he said, yeah, you're paid for. And so I, I ended up looking at my brother and I said, I really wonder if that wasn't an angel. I said, I've never seen anything. And to this day, I don't know what I don't know where he went. And so this was the situation. This angel shows up and he says to him here, he said, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot. Take your sandal off your foot. For the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And so again, when he says all this, man, this was a form of awe. This was a form of respect. To me, this is nothing more than when you come into the presence of God. It's the fear of God. And it's not a fear of God that God's going to beat me up. It's just awe. Woo, Father God, I'm so honored to come in. And so when this happened, go back to the book of, of Ruth chapter 4. When this happened in the book of Ruth, this is what was taking place. Man, there was a form of respect and there was a form of worship in him. Verse 8. 
Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off a sandal. He did it. And Boaz said to the, to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilean and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. It was like he signed the deal. Verse 10. Moreover, Ruth, the Mobitus, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife. I got married. I'm not dating. I'm married to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are the witnesses this day. So he's saying, because of the authority, this is all a done deal. And all the people were at the gate, and the elders said, and all the people at the gate, and the elders said, and there's power when we begin to speak, and they said, we are witnesses the Lord make the woman who was coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. Now you got to understand this. They're at this gate, the place of authority. He's redeemed her. He's married her. And, and the, the elders of the city, the authority of the city, they pronounce a blessing over her. They speak, may she be like Rachel and Leah. Well, who was Rachel and Leah? They were the wives of Jacob. And this is where the tribes came out. Leah's son was Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. And Rachel's son was Joseph and Benjamin, where the 12 tribes of Israel came out of. And so they speak this over her, this woman from Moab, and they said, She'll be like the mothers of Israel, just like them. Look what they end with. And may you prosper in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem. They prophesied this over her. They spoke this over her, that she would prosper, that she would be favored. Verse 12. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. I'm telling you right now, the Bible has some crazy stories in it. I mean, some crazy stuff. So we're seeing all this take place with this woman named Ruth. They mention Rachel and Leah. Now they mention a woman named Tamar. This can all be found in uh, Genesis 38. Every bit of this. I encourage you to read this. Is, this is a crazy story. But Judah had a couple, he had three boys. The first one is married to this woman named Tamar. He, he is so wicked that he dies. So in, Jew, in Jewish custom, guess who gets the bride? The next brother. That's why you want to be born first, okay? And he said, I got to be born first. So the second brother, he marries her and he's not happy about it. And he does some ungodly things and guess what? He dies. So Judah's got a third son named Shelah, and he says, you know what? I'm not giving him to her. Everybody marries her. She dies, or they die. So he says, uh-uh. So this guy named Judah, who's one of the tribes of Israel, 
He has a bunch of sheep. And it's the time of the year that they're, they're shearing the sheep and getting the wool. So Judah goes to, to, the, the, to the market and gets all his money and everything for the wool. And he's strolling along this road, road and he sees this woman who has a garment over her face and he believes she's a harlot. And so he's got a wad of money and so he says, I'm in. This is Bible, guys, okay? He gets her pregnant, and guess who it is? It's this woman that we see in the covenant right here that they're saying, and you'll be like Tamar. And it goes on to say this with Tamar. He says, who bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. And so this woman gets pregnant from her father-in-law. Now, what a conversation at the evening meal. Now, now wait a minute. Is he my dad or is he my granddad? See, I'm telling you, he's crazy. Keep reading. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. That's good, okay, when you get married. Hebrews 13 says the marriage bed is undefiled and so they do it as God asked them to. They got married and she conceives then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel, and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better than you, seven sons, has born him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor woman gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. I begin to look at this and I think, wait, wait just a minute. He lists four different women. We know Ruth is of Moab. You know what that means? She's got a past. She was not in the covenant lineage of the Jews until she married Boaz, and then she got engrafted in. Praise the Lord. Then the next two are Leah and Rachel, and guess what they were? They were in the lineage of the Jews, and then he mentions a woman named Tamar, and Tamar represents the sinners, the ones that have lived in sin. And so I look at all that and think, man, Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile from Moab. It doesn't matter if you're the heritage, the lineage of the Jews like Leah and Rachel, or you've got a pass from the sin. So I begin to look at this, and they have a son. Boaz and Ruth have a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse the Bethlehemite. And Jesse the Bethlehemite has a son named King David. Wow. Ultimately, you see all these generations that are blessed, and why? Because a woman chose or chose to leave what it was, Moab, and she said, I'm going to follow God. 
And she started here, and there were years of pain, and there were years of sorrow, but she never threw the white flag of surrender up. This is a story right here from tragedy to triumph. God's still in that business. I highlight this. You may say, well, I'm from. Well, does anything good come out of Nazareth? I don't know where you're from. You fill in the blank. But my past is loaded with sin. I believe this is why the Bible highlights this crazy stuff. Is to let us know just because there's sin in your past doesn't eliminate God from using you. God wants you to be a generational history maker. God wants people to look and say, that can only happen because of God. Now turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. As you're turning there, listen close to this. You can't put a question mark where God's put a period. Just obey it. Just live it. Oh boy, get ready, okay? This is unbelievable. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Better stated, the bloodline the family tree of the Lord Jesus. How about this? This way really help you. Ancestry.com. Okay, this is what this is talking about. Now pay close attention because I believe right here this, this is going to help every one of us in here. And Abraham begot Isaac. Every time it says begot, remember this, that's a lifetime, okay? When you read this, it kind of like says, man, that's every other day. It wasn't. This is thousands of years in the making. And Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. And Judah begot Perez and Zerar by Tamar. Uh Uh-oh. Remember who Tamar was. She was the woman that played the, the, the prostitute. Now, wait, 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 wait. This is the bloodline of Jesus. And, and Jesus' bloodline goes through a, a, a woman that had this crazy sexual encounter with her father-in-law. Let me help you a little bit. Every one of us in here comes from some form of dysfunction. <laughs> no, I don't. But yeah, you do. But it doesn't disqualify you, okay? Doesn't disqualify you. Keep reading. Perez got, begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Abinadab. Please don't name your kids this. And Abinadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. I believe that's correct, Salmon. I don't know for sure. If I'm wrong, it's okay. Don't lose your salvation. And, and, and he begot Salmon. Now watch this. And Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Uh-oh, oh we go to another crazy one. Boaz's dad was a guy named Salmon or Salmon or however you want to pronounce it. And Boaz's mother was a woman named Rahab. If you study Rahab, Rahab was better known as Rahab as the prostitute or the harlot. Oh, Jesus, our bloodline. Wow. Keep reading. By Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, 
and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king, and David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah, which would be a woman named Bathsheba, and it takes another crazy turn. And if you look at all these women that are listed in here, you know what it says to me? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God that God's blood through his son, it washes us and cleanses us and it puts hope in every one of us. It doesn't matter your past. Jesus paid that. Let me highlight the last one a little bit. Just remember, and David begot Solomon from this guy named Uriah's wife. So you go back into Samuel and remember, David was on the roof one night when he should have been out to battle when the kings were out fighting, but he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And so he happened to gaze across the, the, the courtyard and the woman was bathing and David was a man. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. You better make a covenant. And so just because he was known as King David, that didn't mean he was exempt. And so we know what happens. He puts the move on her. She gets pregnant. And you know what David ultimately does? He tries or he sets up uh, Uriah to be killed. David endorsed his murder. Man, when I read this, I get blessed realizing Man, when I get married to Jesus, he not only forgives me, he restores me, he blesses me, he takes me from a person that has generational curses, and he moves me into generational blessings. And as long as I just keep hanging around him and stay under the blood and welcome his grace and his mercy, and so I highlight this tonight Woo! And stay under the blood, but don't think because of your past it eliminates you. It doesn't. Actually, your past qualifies you because Jesus is still in the business of taking messes and making miracles, but I got to give my heart to him. He's redeemed you. Why don't you stand up? Golly, Pastor, you preached incredible tonight. Way to go. So now you get the story of Boaz. Some of you say, I, I want to marry a Boaz, well, and serve God. You're not, you're not going to find a Boaz at the bars, okay? <laughs> I'm going to get a little laundry here. You're going to find a dumbass and a stupid ass. Forgive me, okay? You get the point, though. Man, I got to get around Jesus. Got to hang around Jesus. God, hang around. Let's, let's raise our hands to heaven here. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Woo, the God who still redeems. Regardless where we're from, regardless of our past. And Lord, right in here right now, Father God, that, man, we've, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of your glory. We've all messed up. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. And Lord, right now, we, we ask you to forgive us, but we ask you to come into our hearts. Lord Jesus, come into our shoes. We welcome you to walk this life right there with us. Lord, I ask you to grace and mercy everyone in here. Strengthen us. 
You know, I, I, I've sensed this today when I've prayed in here that there would be ones in here that would think, man, I've been disqualified. God could never use me. That's not true, okay? That's not true. So you repent, you give your heart to Jesus, and then, whoo, let's just raise our hands here and let's end with this. Father God, grace us. Grace us, Father God, to be champions for you. Grace us to live with a, a reverential fear for you. Grace us through the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, we give you glory and honor for that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woohoo! Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.